0: Let me ask you, who are the, the hardest people that you find to talk to about Christianity? Who are the people that, you know, when you try and talk about Jesus, you get that kind of, that brick wall look? Or that kind of, that you dare try and convert me kind of look? I, I sat down this week and thought about people who I find it hardest to talk to about Christianity. And, you know, my family, they're, they're really tough, and I've got one particular friend in the UK who's really tough and hard to talk about, about Christ. But if, if I try to sort of categorise them into, into groups, who, who are the toughest group to talk to about Jesus? And I reckon it, it's the, it's the, what I call the religious people. The religious people, you know, they're the kind of people who, they might be in church, and they might love church and they love the pomp and they love the ceremony and they talk about God but when you come and talk about Christ then, then the barriers go up or there are the religious people who they come to me and they, they want to get their, their kid done or, or christened or baptised and you talk to them and say oh yeah I, I know that I, I know the message, I went to Sunday school I, I went to scripture at school I went to chapel at school, I, I know that or there a the person who come to me and they're going, to, they're going to bury somebody that they love and I say well did he have a faith in Christ? and I say oh he was a religious man he had, had his own personal faith he didn't talk about God very much but I know deep down he was religious and they're really hard to talk to about Jesus and, and I find that this 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 parable and the whole Bible really comforting because actually the most difficult people that Jesus found to talk to were the religious people and the people who had the religious background they thought they were okay with God and they thought they were better than other people and Jesus comes in the power and he shatters the pride it's kind of like the hammer against the glass it shatters the religion Gretchen Marx was once a a dinner party guest and as he left the dinner party he was heard to say this he said I've had some wonderful evenings but this wasn't one of them I've had some wonderful evenings but this wasn't one of them and this, this prominent Pharisee that we meet today was holding a dinner party one Sabbath it's there in verse 1 of chapter one Sabbath when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee he's, he's kind of the archbishop or, or the bishop or the minister or even, even the Pope and you can imagine them sitting around enjoying dinner and they've dressed up for the occasion and they're, they're talking about the temple and they're, they're loving the occasion trying to make a good impression doing some networking perhaps and Jesus comes in and shatters it and you can imagine him saying I've had some great evenings but, but this wasn't one of them because Jesus gives them some, some controversial advice on holding dinner parties and he basically says look don't invite your religious friends don't invite your archdeacon don't invite your bishop don't invite the people who you like don't invite the people that will invite you back invite the, the homeless beggar and invite the, the alcoholic and invite the, the prostitutes on the street corner and invite the the drug addict and invite the outcast and invite the person who has sent to their name and invite the people that can't return the favour. Basically invite the people who are not here tonight. And, and it's that kind of comment that Jesus gives that sort of that causes to choke on our on our dessert as we sit in Ripples or Bamol bathes with our Christian friends. And it's not what you want to hear when you sip your, your Merlot with your mates in your waterfront apartment but that's the dinner party conversation that Jesus has but actually he's not making a comment about dinner parties actually he's trying to tell these Pharisees what it means to be right with God he's trying to tell these religious people who will be in heaven and and who won't be in heaven and you get this idiot in verse 15 who thinks he's really important he says this blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God he's saying Jesus look you don't have to worry about me I'm religious I'm okay." and Jesus turns around and says that's your problem mate wake up you see the Bible describes heaven as a banquet or a massive dinner party and the question is who will be in heaven who will be in the kingdom of God are you sure you'll be there and the thing I love about these parables is that they are so multifaceted so for tonight this sermon tonight will be a great comfort for some people it will be a comfort for you because you'll know your security is in Christ not in your religion it'll be a warning for some of you here tonight a warning for some who think they're okay with God because they talk about God and they talk about religion and it will be actually a challenge for many of us a challenge are we really Jesus' disciples are you sure are you actually living out practically that you've understood grace in the way you relate to people your generosity, your hospitality so let's look at the parable first. The parable is there in verse 16. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. In, in those days, you would host a dinner party and you would, you would send out your invitation and you, you get people to RSVP say they're coming and then when the food was ready you'd say come like, you shoot an email saying come the dinner's ready you accept the invitation it's time to come one thing I've noticed about Australians is that they're actually really bad at RSVPing you know you send an invitation and no one RSVPs I'm not sure whether they're waiting for a better offer or they're not willing to commit but they just don't RSVP and these people are a bit like the Aussies you know when it's time for the dinner party the excuses come so verse 18 I've just bought a field I must go and see it excuse me or verse 19 the wealthy man most men had two or three oxen this man has five he says I'm on my way to try them out as if he'd buy oxen without seeing them first or or verse 20 I've just got married as if surely he'd know that he was about to get married when he accepted the invitation they're kind of they're kind of like slapping God in the face they're saying look, look there are lots of things I'd rather be doing than come to your dinner party I'm busy, I've got different priorities I mean who, who buys a house without seeing it who buys a car without seeing it who gets married at short notice they're just excuses, they're feeble contrived excuses and so verse 21, the master is angry of course he's angry and he ordered his servants go out quickly into the streets, into the alleys and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame he's angry but he says the part is still going to happen bring in the outcasts, bring in the destitute there's still room, verse 22 so go into the lanes, go into the countries, go into the roads bring them in but, but the shock, the punchline in this parable is in verse 24 look at it with me I tell you not one of those men who were invited will get a taste at my banquet. It's not just the shock that the the outcasts are included. The shock is that the, the original guests are uh, they're excluded. There's no way back. He says, "Get lost." That is the parable. But this parable says it's not about dinner party. It's about God because because God is the host of this party, and the banquet is just a picture for the kingdom of God. And who are the invited guests? They're the Jews. Then the Jewish people, God's chosen people, who'd received the invitation, they said yes to the invitation. They they got the Old Testament prophets. They'd RSVP. They read the scriptures. They sat in their huddles. They talked about God. They were on the guest list. And then Jesus steps into the world. And Jesus steps into the world and says what? He says the kingdom of God has come. And Jesus steps into the world and says, come. Everything's now ready. Come to me and Jesus steps into the world and God says this is my son, listen to him and Jesus steps into the world and says I am the servant, I am the shepherd, I am God and then the excuses come don't they the excuses come from the Jews and they say oh I'm too busy I'm too busy in my temple, I'm too busy giving my sacrifices I'm too important in praying my prayers and it's not just silly it's actually insolent and it's arrogant and it's slapping God in the face and then they were waiting and waiting and waiting and God had done everything he could he sent prophets he'd given them signs he had all these privileges and the Messiah comes into the world and they say I'm too busy and verse 24 the shock not one of those men who were invited will get a taste at my banquet all the religiously privileged they'll be excluded not because they were Jewish not because of race but because they'd ignored Jesus they said no to Jesus and so God is angry of course he's angry he sent his son into the world so what does He do? He, he doesn't postpone the party he opens the floodgates and he says bring in those Jewish people who are conspicuously absent from this Pharisee's party bring in the lame, the blind, the poor, the oppressed the people the world look down on bring them in and then verse 23 he says bring in the Gentiles go into the road, go into the country lanes bring them in thought about that? Bring in the people who once had no citizenship in heaven bring in the people who once had no hope, bring them in come to the party that's the message of this parable those who expected miss out those who expected to be shut out they enjoy the party, this parable is really about God taking the people who think they're somebody's, the people who think that they're religious, the people who think that they've made it with God and God makes them nobodies. And God takes them nobodies and he makes them somebodies. It's really about doing a Bradbury, isn't it, if you're Australian? You know, you've got nothing, there's no hope, you're last, and suddenly you're the winner. And I want to look at this parable and there's two quick things tonight the warning and the wonder. The warning is this God rejects the proud and the complacent. God will reject the proud and the complacent. I was chatting this week with a guy and at the end of the conversation he said Paul just stop worrying about me deep down I know I'm ok with God I'm, a religious, I'm religious and I met with a man who was dying who was on his deathbed this was about two years ago he says Paul I'm a good bloke it's ok and I met with a woman two weeks ago in this church and she'd been to church all her life And she talked about all the things she did for God. You know, she did Sunday school when she was young. And she was serving in this church. I'm not saying which ministry she's in. And she says, I'm okay. And we talked about Jesus, and there was no relationship with Jesus. And the question for this parable is not whether they're religious people, not whether they're respectable people, but are they Jesus' people? If Jesus comes into the world and says, Whoever believes in, in me, Will be at this banquet. And Jesus steps into the world and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But when we talk about Jesus, that the proud or the complacent, the excuses start to come, don't they? Maybe these excuses ring true with you. I- I'm sorry, God. I-, I can't listen to Jesus because actually my work is really important and I'm too busy. I'm sorry God I can't listen to Jesus because actually there's this girl that I really like and she's a Buddhist and I don't like the fact that Jesus claimed to be the only way and I'm sorry God I, I can't listen to Jesus because there are lots of things I'd actually much rather be doing than thinking about the bigger things of life and death or I'm sorry God I can't listen to Jesus because I'm too busy at church because I'm on the music team and I'm on the welcoming team and I lead a BFG and I've got all this knowledge but I've got no time for Jesus I just keep doing things for God But God will understand, and God won't mind, will he? We slap God around the face. It's arrogant to sit over the scriptures and say, I I don't need Jesus. Sure, the banquet is free for us, but it was costly to God. It cost him his own son on the cross. And people's excuses, they're not just silly, actually, they're complacent and they're arrogant. And God is warning that those people who think that they're okay with God because of their religion, they'll be rejected no place at my banquet verse 24 and I know this parable is primarily a warning to the Jews you know how many Jews there are in Australia there are 100,000 Jews roughly in Australia do you know how many of those Jews are Christians who would call themselves Christians less than 2% less than 2% and all these people who they know about the Messiah and they pray in the synagogue and they're religious people and they're waiting and they're waiting and Jesus had come to the party and they've missed the party and surely we've got to warn those people you know how many Christians are getting out there and talking to the Jews about the Messiah it's also a warning to religious people people who think they're spiritual but there's no spirit of Christ it's the warning to the arrogant people who sit over the scriptures sit over Christ there'll be people there tomorrow night uh, introducing God and they'll look at Jesus and they'll laugh and they'll say oh, I'm too busy we must warn them and it's a warning you know to Australia we cannot say that people haven't heard you know, most people in Australia have heard about Jesus they've been to church they've heard the gospel but the excuses come flooding in my sport's more important my marriage is more important, my study is more important. There are people that I meet every day and people that you meet every day. And do you warn them? Come, the part is ready. Jesus has come. We just sit there in silence, don't we? And they're warning for people like you and me. And it's easy to to RSVP, you know, to, to say yes to Jesus, but when that summons comes, you know, follow me, give up your life for me, then excuses come. You know, I meet hundreds of people I meet, yeah literally hundreds of people and they'll say things like yes I I, I was christened or I was baptised or I went to church as a kid and they're not following Jesus now you know I'm thinking of Dave and I'm thinking of Karen and I'm thinking of Julie and I'm thinking of, of Roger and Olive and Simon and Beck and Mark and Heather people I know who once said oh I'm interested in Jesus but they're nowhere now and we need to warn them that unless they say yes to Jesus they will not be at this banquet that is the warning but the flip side is the wonder the wonder is this that the God does welcome the humble and he welcomes the helpless this parable is so humbling because it reminds us that really before God we are the, the blind and the lame and the crippled and the poor of verse 21 We are nobodies before God. That's the great thing about this parable. It says, look, if you're there, if you're at the feast, please don't think that you're better than anybody. There was nothing that that God saw in you your intellect, your looks, your gifts, your education there was nothing that made you attracted to God. It's about grace. If you've been welcomed to this banquet, it's not based on your knowledge and your status and your job and your money, it's about grace. I want you to imagine for a moment that, that you're that a layman, You're that layman who's sitting in Jerusalem. And every day you're sitting there with your cap open and you're begging. And every day, hordes of people walk past you and they give you that look as if to say, oh, you're pathetic and every day they they avoid the eye contact and suddenly one day you're picked up and you're you're carried in this limousine and you're carried past all these rich religious people and you're taken to a house and you're sat down at a table and you're given a banquet you're given a feast and you're saying welcome, welcome can you imagine if you're that lame man I can imagine you've got tears in your eyes and you're crying I don't deserve this why have you done this or you're full of wonder saying I'm not worthy of this I'm just a lame man and that's the point of this parable if we belong to Jesus if if you've seen that you're helpless there's nothing you can do there's nothing you deserve and there should be tears in our eyes saying I don't deserve this God and I just wonder you know 2,000 years later Gentiles like most of us here I'm assuming mostly Gentiles we've been brought in and yet we've lost that sense of, of wonder and awe that helpless people are invited to the banquet and the question is how, how do you show that you've really grasped that how do you show that you've grasped grace easy to talk about grace isn't it easy to say oh it's all about grace how do you tell how do you spot that you've really understood that let me just say it's about humility and generosity you know you grasp grasped grace when you know you're at the banquet if your whole life is marked by humility that's why Jesus told that first parable in verses 7 to 11 verse 7 when he noticed how the guests picked the places of honour he told in this parable when someone invites you to a wedding feast don't take the place of honour for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited if so the host who invited both of you will come and say to you give this man your seat then humiliated you will have to take the least important place but when you're invited take the lowest place so, when your host comes, he'll say to you, friend, move up to a better place. And then you'll be honoured. So, it's like going to a dinner party with a with queen. You know, it's a U shaped table. The two most important seats are in the middle. And you walk into this, this room, and there's no name tags, there's no name plates. And the man walks in with his suit, and he thinks it's important. He sits down there, right next to the queen. And then the queen says, actually, no, 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 that wasn't your place. And he's humiliated. He's sent right to the bottom. This week, you know, we've been. Reminded again of the arrogance of, um, of posh and Bex. You know, I love posh and Bex, but you know they are just self-indulgent. They're self-promoting. They're self-important. And the bottom line is not attractive, is it? And I just wonder whether in the church we're slipping into sort of the posh and Bex culture. We're self-promoting. We're self-important we're self-indulgent and we think that we're somebody's. and so we walk into church and we rank people based on what they look like and what they're dressed like and we think they're important because we do things in church and Jesus says a sign that you've grasped grace is that you're humble and you take the lowest place and you say I'm just a sinner I'm saved by grace you know, imagine if John Anderson the, dep- the ex deputy prime minister walked in here and he sat down next to a little boy from Ethiopia and they're both following Christ and they're completely equal in God's eyes and that must be our attitude we're not obsessed by rank or class or intellect it's all about humility that's the sign of grasp grace look at verse 11 everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but he who humbles himself will be exalted he who humbles himself will be exalted. I'll tell you who I can spot in this church who's grasped grace. It's the person who, they sit in the city, in a beautiful office with 360 degree views every day of the week, and they come to this church, and they're there with a mop and bucket, and they're mopping the floor. Not to be seen, but they're just serving. They're the person who sits in this church and you know they're a high powered lawyer but they sit down and they talk to the university student not boasting their credentials but they're just equal in the eyes of Christ and they might have great bible knowledge but they're not power crazy to lead a BFG or to lead services happy to serve wherever, whenever that is real humility the person who grasps they're at the banquet because of grace is a person who doesn't pat themselves on the back they say I'm just a wretched sinner saved by grace no better than you no worse than you that's the first sign real humility the second sign is real generosity that's the second parable in verses 12 to 14 Jesus said when you give a luncheon or dinner don't invite your friends your brothers your relatives your rich neighbours if you do they may invite you back verse 13 but when you give a banquet invite the poor the crippled the lame the blind and you'll be blessed although they cannot repay you you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous he's saying if you know that you're helpless if you know that you're a nobody if you've really grasped grace then extend that generosity to other people we live in this kind of this payback culture don't we you know, I'll invite you for dinner if I like you I'll invite you for dinner if you're of my class or, or my, my group or you're my buddy and you can imagine this this rich Pharisee he's got all his rich and his famous buddies there there's nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with enjoying time with mates the problem is that when we ignore the person who doesn't fit in the problem is when those who struggle those who are not like us we don't welcome them you know when we only invite people who invite us back when we only talk to people who are easy to talk to and what God does here is, is that He He says, "No, no, there's no discrimination. The power, powerless, and the powerful, the poor and the rich, they're, they're all welcome." And I wonder whether we need to rewrite our guest list here, at church. Rewrite your guest list. Invite people who would never be your natural guests. Invite the person who have no capacity to return the favour. That's a sign that you've really grasped grace, because God wants all those people to be saved the rich, the famous, the poor the blind and the lame now the evidence that you really grasp Grace, is that you're humble and that you're generous your attitude to others, your attitude to yourself let me, let me finish this by telling you about uh, a friend I met in the UK met him a couple of weeks ago and he's pretty high flyer in the city, he's a lawyer and I had, had lunch with him and he sat down and he talked to me about His future and his plans. And it was pretty exciting, I have to say. He just bought a he's bought a house in Hampstead. He's got a good job. And he talked about what he's going to do for the next five years, the next ten years, the next twenty years. And I have to acknowledge that there's times when I was a bit envious. So I thought, hang on a sec. This guy has no relationship with Christ. And so I was bold. I was bold and I said to him, look, they're good things, they're great things, but actually none of those things last, do they? Actually, you know, the house and the wife and the car, it all ends up in the same place. But where are you with God? And he was pretty proud and pretty arrogant. He said, oh, I'm religious. I, I go to church twice a year. And I was bold enough to warn him and said, look, there is a great banquet. But only people there will be with Christ. Or worse those effects. And I talked to him about Christ and you know, for the first time that guy actually sat down and said, Oh, actually, thank you. But you give me things to think about. And I want to challenge as a church tonight, if this parable is true, which it is, there will be a division on that great day. That we will be shut out from the banquet. And the question is, are you going to be there? Are you going to be there? Have you trusted in Christ? And are you warning those people who are not now here to turn to Christ and to repent? and to believe let's pray